0: Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and
1: good food. All right, what's up, everybody? Joined today by our very own Paul Niece, Jim Hamilton, of course, and outfitter, ambassador. Wild man. Wild man. Yeah. Manimal. Remy, you're one of the few people that I give Manimal status to. Yes. And uh, general nice guy, Remy Warren. Howdy. Hey.
2: Did you know Manimal was actually like a, a TV show? Did you ever watch that show? I remember show? that. Really? Yeah. I remember hearing It that, was yeah. short-lived, but when we did Apex Predator, we were going to maybe call it Manimal. <laughs> and, <then> we did <laughs> research and we're like, dang it, this is the show we want to be. <laughs> it's like you could transform into different Manimal. Animals. <laughs> He's a man. It was great. <laughs> that
0: really was the yeah. premise of the show. Yeah, yeah exactly. Really. Yeah.
1: What was the premise of the original?
0: that was. that was it. was like a man original. who could yeah. be
1: like an iguana
0: or like
2: a. T-rex. Yeah, but it, he was more like a. What did, did he fight crime or something? I don't, <laughs> I don't, don't remember, either. <laughs> I can't remember. I not remember. I good. remember the name. I remember yeah. the general idea. I remember, but remember not like the, the details. The, yeah, it's, it's pretty corny.
1: <laughs> well, we're giving we're giving everybody their big takeaway right off the bat. Watch Little Manimal.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm not gonna. It might be like a maybe he was <laughs> so like maybe he, like terrible. fought against hunters. I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was like that involved. It's just the quick search and remember, like oh just yeah. Oh uh, well, we gotta yeah, find was, something like, else. It's like a one season show. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: you can't backpedal now, Remy. We're in too deep. Yeah, too yeah. deep. And I shouldn't. I've, I've been remiss to mention getting back on track here, which we rarely do. But we've uh, Pauline's here, which we've covered before previous guide as well for how many years again paul
3: yeah that was you know that's what i did before vortex i spent about 17 years as a guide in idaho so guiding for for sheep deer elk mountain goat good stuff good stuff i had i had the good fortune to work for a guy that was permitted in the state of idaho to some of the really coolest sheep country there so i I really got the bug to do that yeah by far and away my favorite thing to hunt and guide for Which, yeah, none of us were lucky enough to draw some sheep tags. No, no, we all bombed out today here, so no luck on that.
1: So, Remy, now you're coming off about a five day bender of zero sleep and lots of hunting.
2: Yeah, but I would never complain about it, you know, you just keep (laughs) powering through. (laughs) And when people, I was like, Where are you hunting this time of year? I was hunting in Hawaii. So it was oh, like, you, I'm not, you, you can't, can't say complain you're too like, hard. Yeah. yeah. You're like, Oh, I haven't slept. <laughs> well, because when I flew here, it was one of those deals where you leave it. Like you're going to leave at like noon and then you end up leaving at five and then all your flights are missed. And then it ends up being a two day ordeal to get <laughs> <Yeah>. here <laughs> where I got in at like 3am and my next flight was at 6am no. and, <laughs> and then I'm here and I can't sleep on a plane for some odd reason because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> it but, is you yeah. end
1: up in just that weird half sleep yeah so if i if i stutter or something it's because i'm <laughs> like, sleep
0: deprived all of a sudden, yeah. snores start yeah, coming yeah. through exactly. the uh, we'll, we'll give you a pass on that i know
2: when my blink rates is like it's like it lingers you're
3: like trying to not <laughs> stay awake <laughs> <laughs> just nodding <laughs> yeah that's it, part of the life of a guy though yeah, exactly. long stretches of get, low sleep and that, misery
2: and that i was actually just uh, Telling, I think it was Mark that it was like, I'm really good at staying awake, but I never learned the f- sleep fast trick. And you just like through guide season, you just you almost build like a tolerance where you're used to five hours of sleep. And then when you're not guiding, it's like five hours of sleep. You, you can't sleep more because you just that's all you get. And you just yeah. develop this weird thing. It's like the more tired I get. The le- harder it is for me to go to sleep. I don't know what it is. It's like a. But you trained yourself. Yeah, but you've like trained yourself to just run on very little sleep. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, you know, I'd never complain about not getting enough sleep because that's just what you do. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I've yeah. heard. I think I have like read. The more you try to stay awake or fight to stay awake, or if you're in a situation where you have to do that for a long period of time, like your body, just like you said, you trained it and it, it won't shut down. It's like you've programmed it to be that way. Yeah. So I'm not good at that. You're not going to be sleeping anytime soon, Remy. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry.
2: No, I think the longest I stayed awake, I can't even remember. It was almost four days. And I didn't know. Did this I, have I start, anything to do with guiding? No, that, but I started hallucinating. and then um and then i I essentially blacked out and it was weird because i didn't i don't even remember how i got to where like you you just i lost (laughs) some memory i was in a car and at least i wasn't driving don't (laughs) worry but uh, yeah it was weird like travel thing and man it was really strange everything looks weird and you're
3: like it's it's a trip it it It, is very bizarre i've never gone four days i think i've gone little, you know, 50 hours, 50 Yeah, it was hours, probably maybe. somewhere in there. It was like but three. I definitely remember getting this stage of hallucinating because that's, that's yep, stuck in yeah. me ever since. I, I think like, it was man, that, man, like, we're we're three days,
2: of, and then you're, like, kind of going into that. I don't remember much about it, but I remember <laughs> it was weird.
0: <laughs> are you, are you like, slamming caffeine when you're doing that, or is this all, like, just, um, like? Yeah, I think Red Bull just come out. I was like, oh Red Bull. Uh, yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> right. yeah.
3: Why would yeah. you drink water? Yeah. 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 There's yeah. water in Red Bull somewhere. It was a
2: weird I, I don't remember, but I I think I was I was going somewhere and then I thought, oh, I don't want to be like jet lagged when I get there, so I'm just gonna stay up. Well then I stayed up, but then things started happening and then it ended up being longer, and then there was I had nowhere to go, and it was just a long story. But it, yeah, yeah, I ended it, up. It, 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 I wouldn't like suggest it, but it was a <laughs> it was a cool experience to understand what sleep like Dep- true sleep deprivation, deprivation is and how lead, your yeah. what your body. Yeah, it's it weird. Is, it's it, a it very is, you have to sleep. You die if strange. you don't sleep. It almost like gets weird. to the point, mm-hmm. you know
3: that. I mean, probably similar to what someone would be taking drugs. I mean, just a very yeah. odd, you know, hallucinogenic. Just a different, yeah, colors and flashes of light and, yeah. And then you feel hungover.
2: And I'm pretty sure I felt, I I was blacked out, but I remember at one point I was asleep, but my eyes were open, so you see everything, like you're so tired, your eyes don't even close. (laughs) 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 You just see things moving around you in this weird, I don't know. It 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 was one (laughs) hell of a music festival. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know what this has to do with guiding, but, you know, sometimes you push yourself. Yeah.
1: I think yeah, I think that is a good point. I, I had one good week like that, and just yeah all those similar things like like you said, just like being asleep, but your eyes are open or actually I had a few times where actually I did fall asleep momentarily, but I felt like I was actually dreaming in the very real scenario of what was going on, and then I'd like open my eyes and like like the person that was in the room like wasn't doing what they are doing, but they were still in the room it yeah was, really was weird. weird and it was just yeah it was all sleep deprivation that's not good I'm, I'm
0: do it. I couldn't do it if I go <laughs> I'm the kind of person where it's like nine thirty PM and I'm like, Jiminy Christmas, I gotta hit the sack. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it, you know, it was funny. It was always like, for me, I'm, I'm sure you too, I mean, it was, you know, the, t- the times that were always aware, it was like early archery seasons. Those oh. were the ones that just ran you into the ground. Yep. You know, you that. just got, you'd, you'd very little sleep at night. Yep. You'd, you'd conk for maybe, a, you know, a couple hours. Why is You'd that, get that up. Particular just, you know, days. because the days are really long. And then like oh, the hunting I did, we were typically out on horseback. A lot of times, you know, you would hunt till dark or thereafter, get back to your horses, you might have an hour and a half horseback ride back to camp, then that you know, and then you're waiting maybe for another party or two that's out. So I mean, you you're not eating dinner sometimes till midnight, you know, and get to sleep and and then you get the oh, cook yeah. is banging out in the tent by two thirty the next morning, getting up to get going again, and then it's. Going out, wrangling up the horses, feeding the horses, coming in for breakfast, and, and you know I'd get to those stages, and, and I would just be dearly looking forward to about ten thirty in the morning because I knew at that point I could lay on a hillside somewhere and crash out in a nap. The morning hunt was pretty much wound down, yeah. and I knew I'd get that midday nap, and I just like look forward to that. nap. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know the good thing, you had you had the morning hunt ahead of you, which of course all for me typically that was the best time we wanted was. Was there in the morning? Yeah, in the morning. But you knew that sleep was coming right at once. That died down. It was like nap time.
2: On my my first guiding job, I was just pumped to be there. Like I really wanted this job, and so I was in. An, I was guiding the Swan Valley of Montana for an outfitter up there, and I didn't really know the area that well, but I went in ahead of time and just scout. I I was just running Learn, trails yeah, and yeah. just learning it. And I figured it out pretty good, pretty fast, while I was scouting. But the clients showed up, and it was archery season. It was is the first week of archery season, so super long days. Yeah, and then we're you know we're hunting, and I just for some reason can't nap, especially then now I've gotten a little, but I'm not very good at napping. So, and I just wanted to like. They, I would let them nap, and I would just be glassing or doing something. I yeah, wanted to yeah. prove that I could do you this. You were going to find critters. Yeah, I was yeah. going to do yeah. right? So I get back to camp the second night of the hunt, of a maybe an eight-day hunt or something like that, and the outfitter had a heart attack oh. and just had to go to the hospital, and there was just a note, like, now I'm in charge <laughs> of cooking, and the cook was the only other <laughs> person. Whole, so it was just yeah, the outfitter, yeah. the cook, myself, and the two clients. So I had there was like a note like we're gone. So now I'm in charge of feeding the horses, getting up and cooking breakfast, cooking dinner, cleaning up, feeding the dogs, and then going. I literally slept an hour or two a night. Yeah,
3: that's tough. And that's by tough. the last
2: day, and I and I refused to nap. I was just. And the last day, we decided to sit on this trail for, where these white tail, big white tail, are coming out. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying not to fall asleep. And I just. <laughs> Passing out. <laughs> I, I remember passing out, and the hunter like tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, dude, you should just sleep. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> care. Like, we have like an, a phenomenal <laughs> hunt. <laughs> like, <you're good. laughs> and I want to do it. Like, I was going gourmet. I wasn't just throwing cereal down, I was going bacon and eggs. Wow, and, you were uh, good. I was, Oh, man, you doing yourself. Yeah, I think that that week, I don't even remember. I, I calculated out between gas to get there in my truck that got seven miles to the gallon and all the hours i think i made like less than a dollar an hour and i thought to myself (laughs) i want to do this for the rest of my life (laughs) like it was i I was laughing the whole time because i was like they don't even know i'd do this for free what a bunch of idiots (laughs) i was like score and the guys the guys you know they saw uh, they actually didn't end up shooting anything, but we got on some you know good stuff. Yeah, it was a really good week, and they're just blown away by how hard I worked. They're you know they they didn't they were just normal normal jobs, blue collar guys, and they gave me like a thousand dollar tip. And I was yeah, like, even with that, it dip. was like a dollar fifty an hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and I was like, oh man, this is how you do it. You just bust your ass and you can you can like survive this is great (laughs) 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 i loved it it was awesome and i was from that time forward i i did not want to do anything else yeah and i still still to this day i still love guiding there's something about just taking someone out and um you know a lot of times like i think it's the best test of your skill as a hunter because you have to take someone that may or may not have any skill but like you have to not only be aware of yourself but them and get them the shot, and you have to think about so many factors because you might only get one opportunity in that week,, yeah. and you have to yeah. make that one opportunity count plus like it's cool to be able to give someone an experience where you love to be so much, yeah, and show oh, them absolutely. what you like like it's a it's a cool hmm, it's a cool thing, unfortunately though, I have to preface this because if we're talking about guiding, I get so many inquiries about guiding that. You know, we're like completely booked up with repeat clients. So, for all the people that like inquire and want, right. I, I just can't answer all the emails about the guiding and stuff. So, unfortunately, a lot of phone calls go underserved and emails go unanswered. And I feel like an a hole, but it's just, it's just me. It's a small operation. I don't have. Twenty employees yeah. to be well, answering that's, stuff. That's, that's and, a, you know, that's yeah, that's a sign
3: of a very successful operation when you're pretty much rolling on repeat clients, right. I and mean, it's very hard yeah. for a new client to, you know, you know a guy's good. Then that's yeah. that's like the first thing you look for. In if a, you can't in get in, in and that's the hardest
2: part. Is people are like, do you know? Can you recommend anyone else? If there's someone that I would recommend, you wouldn't be able to go with them. <laughs> <Right. And that's, laughs> yeah. but what, exactly yeah. the same
3: situation. Yeah. What I yeah. do
2: is I just do like a wait list. So. They just email the word waitlist because I just when it comes up I just search in the email waitlist and if that's in there and there's a spot available you have a chance but outside of that no replies unfortunately yeah I just yeah. have to say that because every time I talk about guiding I'm like, oh he guides and then I want to hunt with him and then I'm like that guy's an asshole he never called <laughs> me back <laughs> like, I just can't like we've got we've got our some guys have hunted with me now this will be there.
3: 10 yeah, to 11th that's, year. That's, that's wow. a good stretch for, yeah, a, for That's awesome. Client. That's yeah. pretty yeah. cool.
2: That's cool. It's like you're now at this point you're just hunting with your buddies.
3: It is. Yeah, back. exactly the same thing. You know, after a guy's been back a couple times, you I mean, you strike up these pretty good relationships. You know, once oh, yeah. Time spent in the field like that, guiding is very, very intense. And it, it is kind of amazing how, in the scheme of things, seems like a very short time that you spend with guys. But I've got guys that, that I guided on hunts and I haven't even seen in, 10 years and you, and you come back and you pick up a conversation almost like you just oh, yeah. left the mountain. I mean, it's amazing how that intensity of being with someone, you know, I mean, you're 24 hours a day, you're pretty much with them every day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you're going through stuff like just bad weather, harsh conditions, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's tough hunting, whatever yeah, it is, a miss but just, whatever. just stuff that kind of, I mean, it, it, it's amazing how it forges a quick relationship like that and, yeah I and mean, yeah. we we're talking
1: about that the other day just if you want to truly bond with somebody go on a hunt with them you know and hopefully yeah. it's, hopefully it's somebody mm-hmm. that you enjoy but, yeah because it can um, be yeah. good or bad like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. every guide has some horror
2: stories
1: <laughs> <laughs> i have
2: and those are the ones that everybody wants to hear and they're i would say 10 percent not even less than 10%. percent yeah i'd say yeah, yeah one in a hundred are bad but those bad ones are just so oh, memorable yeah, you, you and never so forget funny them. Yeah, yeah 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 you go um, yeah that's what my dad when we were kids he just always stressed like having a, a good hunt you know me and my dad were hunting buddies because we'd gone out hunting with other people and it just wasn't fun they just didn't hunt the way that we like to hunt or they, yeah. you know, and it was just, it's such a different experience being out there that you have to be with people you trust and enjoy, yeah. and it's not worth your time to go out with people that you right. just don't want to right. be around.
3: Right. right. Are
0: yeah, the worst ones could, basically just when you have somebody who's kind of cupcaking it a bunch and you just can't get them to do, like, anything, or is it that, like, or are they just, like, super creepy? Or like, <laughs> super I mean, creepy. Super creepy. Yeah. Uh, um,
3: yeah it's it, it, Not
0: safe with firearms. Mm, um, that's a big
2: one. That's yeah. a big one. You know, I've got some fun <laughs> stories about, like, guys that didn't speak English. <laughs> um, yeah, just, like, some I just could, random stuff. I can see know? that being yeah. challenging a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, and, and not that they were bad, but just, like, a language barrier when they've got guns and never used a gun and just, yeah, and working for a yeah, guy. That would, yeah, that yeah, would be was a, a good
0: word, situation. Yeah. 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 Yikes. yeah. How does uh, how does one become a guide? How does that ha- how does that work? How does that happen? You just say like, "Hey, I'm a really good hunter. I'll take somebody out." I mean, you see you have to be like licensed, right?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's There's very... probably a bunch of different ways guys get into it. I know the way I did, it was pretty funny. I was I'd hunted since I was a kid, and I I think I knew since I was in my teens, late teens anyway. You know, I grew up in Wisconsin the Midwest, but uh my dad taught college and we we spent summers out in the mountains of Colorado so I already kind of knew what the mountains were and I really loved the mountains I loved the big country the elevation the you know the wildness all of it and I think I knew by my teens that I you know I really wanted to hunt out west and I ended up you know went to college came out of that went into business with my brother spray painting barns in my mid-20s and it was kind was I mean it was tough physical hard work And and I I kept kind of coming back to that hunting thing. And I knew I just that somehow I needed to circle back to that. And as you know, in my late twenties, I just, at some point, I just, I don't know, I hit a switch and it was like, I sold everything I had down, you know, no debts, no money, just a pile of money, an old truck and a boat. And I signed up for a guide school, which you can still find today. You can, you can find them online, there's all kinds of them out there, and I just kind of really rolled the dice on a guy up in northwestern Montana, (laughs) talked to him a few times, and said, you know, signed up to it, I'm coming out here in June. And Put all my stuff in the back. of This old boat drive out there. Went to school for the guy, and it was one of those deals. And you know, it, it, that's actually a pretty big lucrative business. And I think some of it the is there's there's scam artists yeah, out there it's for major sure. Scam. A lot it a lot is. Of yeah, <laughs> I, <was>, I, <laughs> I, I can tell you guide schools. Oh, stores, there but, there but, are bad. Yeah. You know, and and I probably got lucky in a way. Although you know, looking back on, I think the guy that I went to it, he was a bit of a scammer too. But I, you know, it wasn't like I loved to hunt. I knew hunting. I just, and even going from the Midwest to the West, it didn't take me that long to know how to hunt animals in the West. But for me, I kind of wanted to be in there with a horseback guy and I had very little background in horses. I'd ridden horses a little bit as a kid, but not much. And I really wanted to do like the classic Western pack strings, you know, wall Mm -hmm. tent camps way back in the middle of nowhere. And so to me, it, it proved valuable in that sense. You know, I did I learned a lot about packing with horses. I didn't know, you know, became very comfortable with horses. And, you know, in fairness, the guy did at the end of that school, he did have legit connections. And, you know, if you wanted to work, he would he would give you a reference out there. And I went down, I moved down into Idaho then at the end of that, met a guy, guided for him, and I guided for the same guy for the next 18 years. So, I mean, it kind of all played out well in the long run doing that. So Yeah. There, I yeah. think
2: cause I get asked that a lot. Like, how do you become a guide? And there's, there's three ways. So, and well, I guess there's three, you got to look at it like this. Okay. So your story is completely opposite of my story. And it depends on the type of hunt you want to do, but you really touched on. So the guide school thing, everyone goes, Oh, is the guide school good? So if you have like, no, a lot of people ask me like, Oh, I want to be a guide. And, and they have no elk, hun- they want to be an elk guy, but they have no elk hunting experience. Yeah. You know, like, are you going to be an accountant, but you do not know how to do math, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. you exactly. like, oh, I yeah. don't know addition, but I want to be an accountant. Yeah. And then you start putting in an application. You're going to get laughed at. People are going to yeah. be like, like, I don't care how much you hunt, like, if you want to be an elk guide and you've never seen an elk, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Like, I'm not right. going to You're put not going to be very good you at it. You aren't going to get a job. Yeah. Unless right. yeah. a guy's desperate and just needs a body, yeah. and then just you just it. aren't going to have a good time. Yeah. That's the
1: guy that's wide open. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the guy. Yeah. You're
2: like, oh, yeah. you yeah. have an opening and the draw's two days away. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you're getting. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but now if you don't have, like, elk hunting experience, the best way to get into guiding is through the guide school. But you have to realize that you're a horse hand exactly. first, you're not gonna, a guy. You're going to start and you're out. You're going to start and, yep. out horse handling, and you're going to probably be in a camp as a wrangler, and you're exactly. going to and you're going to yep. get not that much elk hunting experience. But you need to move to where there are elk and and yep. get that experience, yeah. because when you send an application, and you got to know what kind of operation you're sending it to, because right. you'll you'll send it to an operation that might be a elk guide on private land. And you just finished a guide school, and they're going to go no. So because you have horse experience that can be taught, but you don't have the elk experience that you know you can't be taught right, in school. Right, you need to be out in the field. That's, that's so a, you to have to work is, up yeah, to it. Yeah, and there's a yeah. ton of turnover on guys in the guide school because they might get a wrangling job. It's tough work. It's long hours. You're, you got to be a, like a camp bitch for a few years. Yeah. And oh, yeah. really it's, it's not; and it's not to, an
3: easy road. But to follow, you can. Yeah.
2: But you can, if you have the determination to do it, you can make it and become a guide and, and yeah. do all the stuff and, yeah. and work for a good operation and, and have fun doing it. Yeah. But the other way is, you know, if you elk hunt a lot in a certain area, know the area. Like, so you got to see what kind of hunts and what kind of job you want to apply for. So my thing was I knew an area in Montana and I knew it because I'd hunted it as a kid with my grandpa, but also I just said, I want to be an elk guide. And I just essentially packed up my truck, went up there. It's was like, I'm going to know this area better than anyone. Like how can you not get a job if you know an area and, and you're the guy killing, and yeah, you're the yeah. guy killing elk all yeah. the time yeah. mm-hmm. and that's what happened I was out there and I kept running into this outfitter and I was ahead of them on the elk every day I wasn't like following like they were essentially following me <laughs> <laughs> the guy, the guy yeah, yeah. came to me and he's like. Hey, instead of working against me, you want to work for me? I was like, How'd you know? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it wasn't intentional, <laughs> but it was kind of intentional. I, I was gonna say that's like was, a classic, if I you can't just, beat them, join them. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if I, I wouldn't shoot my bull because I would just I would just hold out and I would take just random people I met at the trailhead they're like, I've never seen an elk. I was like, come with me. And we'd go and shoot. I mean, you know, I just I didn't I was guiding uh. people for free, essentially, just like taking friends or anybody i literally like helped so many people i met at the trailhead kill elk because i just wanted the experience of knowing that area better than anyone and i scouted it and i learned it and it was kind of a funny thing because like my first year working for that guy i mean i literally would just go out every day you know whether season or not just learning the area and i just made this like I'd make these little bets in Elk Camp when I was guiding. Like, you can go go out wherever you want, take a photo. Can be close up. Doesn't even have to be the skyline. I'll tell you where you were <laughs> because I knew it that well. Like the types of trees uh, and the grass and I the the orientation of the hill and I could just tell where you were in this area based on a a fairly up close picture of something. And I generally yeah, didn't lose. Pretty, wow! And like yeah. to know something literally like the back of your hand, you're gonna get a job as a guide. You know, so yeah, start where you're, weird. if you know some like, and, and that only works on, I would say probably like public land type hunts that are day use or, you know, like the backcountry hunts on the horseback hunts. You don't have to know the area that well because not many people that get hired do because you don't pack into that area. You right. need to know horses. Right. So if you know horses, you get those jobs. If you know an area, you get like a day use yeah, um, it was you know
3: where we went. You know, we packed in, but not not wildly deep packins yeah. You know, I think the furthest we went in was maybe seven hours on horseback, which is you know that's a fair stretch. It's twenty miles or so back in, but we at least in Idaho the way it worked, and you know, an outfitter is permitted to a specific block of country, and no one else can commercially outfit in there. So once once hmm. you're licensed to an area, you are the only one that can commercially guide in there, and then of course you get. You know, you know, you're familiar with that, Remy. You get permitted camps that you yep. can have, basically permanent camp locations that stay up. You have that place reserved year round to hunt out of. And we, I mean, kind of the same way. I, you know, I may not have gotten quite as intensive as you did there, but we same way. I, you know, I'd know where every water trickle, wallow you know, trail, all of that. Because we did, we hunted the same country year after year yeah. after year. And, you know, it, and and to me, that was always the definition of what made a really good guide was that you knew that just like you're describing. Yeah. You knew that country by the back of your hand. You knew every place that elk hang, hung out and moved and all of that. And hmm. same yeah. deal, you know, just just repeated over time in there and, and hunting it.
2: And I think like the the third way would be, you know, guys looking for a job, on, like, a private land elk hunt, and those you just need to know elk. You just have to be like a good elk hunter because if you know elk, then it doesn't matter where you go, you know how to yeah, hunt them. You've and got on some private basic land, skills, nobody, has, yeah. nobody has the, you know, you can figure it out because there's nobody yeah. else hunting it. And oh, yeah. you know what I mean? It's not like you can just go in there anytime you want and yeah. know the area. Everybody that works for them, they're just looking for guys that know elk. Right. So when and you're it, looking for a guide job, you know, specify just like any other job what your skills in, this is elk guiding, but the same goes for anything.
3: Yeah. I mean, And you know, too, that, you know, when, when you're, there's a big difference between public land and private land. And when you're guiding on public land, a fair share of of your skills and talent are being able to play off what you know other guys are doing out there, where other camps are, where guys are coming from, where they're going to be hunting opening mornings. And you just know, you know, from time and experience, you know how guys typically move in those countries so you can you can play off of that in in what your hunting strategies are where private land generally you don't you know like you said, you just you can focus on just being a guy that knows elk and can concentrate on what elk are going to do and how they're going to move and where they're going to be at. Yeah, yeah. Public it's different though. It you is. Know, when you got it's a you different know, the, game. When you got the other guys out there, you always have to factor that into like your plans for the day about where you're going to go and where you're going to be that opening morning or whatever it is. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's as much a game against not against other people, but, but using but it's, it's like it's a using new... them as pawns exactly. almost sometimes. Yeah, so, you know, it's... you know that they may push elk a certain way, and it, you know. and and you're prepared to be there at the right time. Huh.
1: I think I'm going to go be a private land elk guide, but I'm actually going to go the Remy route where I'm just going to (laughs) go hunt some (laughs) dude's place. And when he confronts me,
3: I'm going to (laughs) say...
1: hey, I'm just looking for a job. Hey, I know your, I know your land. <laughs> and by the way, I know your place really, really well. Okay, that
0: would be... Like, can you imagine if somebody just, like, you just walked into that room in your house that you rarely ever go into, and somebody just pops out with a broom and dust pen? They're like, hey, I really know your house really well. <laughs> I'd, like to I'd love it. to clean it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Hey, that's crazy. Yeah, well, now that you're here... Um, yeah. but I, and that's I th- where that phone call with just the breathing was coming
2: from. <laughs> yeah. I think, though for some reason in my mind, maybe because I'm so close to like Western hunting and that's what I do. I feel like if you want to be a guide, that's, that's like the the epitome of guiding is like Western yeah, hunting no or Alaska question. hunting. No question. Um, yeah. But if you don't do that, you know, look to start guiding where you live. Like you, right. if you hunt Michigan and you're like, look for some stuff around where you live to kind of use the skills that you have, because as you gain experience guiding, you gain a lot of hunting experience as well that you can't get when you aren't doing it as a job. Cause I like, I used to think when I was starting out, I was fairly young, you know, 18, 19. And I'd be taking these guys that were, three times my age, but in one year I had more hunting experience than they right. had in their entire oh, yeah. lives. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would go 120 consecutive days with no breaks hunting. Like most people have never hunted that much in their life. And you go, okay, you've gained, you gain the experience, but you can't do that. You know, unless you have like some crazy no benefactor question. that's like, yeah. go hunting friend. Yeah. No <laughs> <question. Yeah. laughs> like yeah. you gain so much experience. And then by gaining that hunting experience, you know, not only benefits you and you hunt, but it gives you, Experience to get other jobs, guiding for other species, yeah. because you just know how to hunt. You've you fine tuned yeah. all the things that not only just hunting, but also that mm. guiding aspect yeah. of it.
3: It it you know you think about you know sitting here talking about this, it, interesting, bringing back memories. But you you know you think about and there's a lot more. To, I mean, this is the, all the stuff we're talking about here. It's all like key. It's a big part of being a guide. Then there's there's all these other stuff like you you know you've got to be able to to babysit Mm -hmm. people and, and motivate people. And, you know, you get, you, I mean, you know, I mean, you've been there, you, the, the guys that you go with run a whole spectrum from guys that are like highly motivated to guys that are just really easy going to guys that are way out of shape to guys that can like go hard for a day or two and then poof, like hit a wall and they're, and they're done. It's like, there's this whole mental thing that goes on at the same time. And, 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 and the other thing then is is also you're you're trying to figure out like guys' temperaments and their personalities and trying to you know, sometimes like you meet a guy and you know within minutes that yeah, this this hunt's gonna be kinda tough putting up with this guy. You just you can tell right away, you know, it just doesn't like mesh with me really well. But yet, yeah, I mean you're you're gonna make the best of it. You're gonna take the guy out, you're gonna try to get an animal, have him a good time, but you mm. know, you know, you're probably not going to mesh with this guy the whole time. And so you're yeah. having to kind of gear yourself. And so it's just, I mean, there's, all, there's a lot of interesting parts to that. That's why Paul's so at, good at getting along with everybody he meets. Maybe it yeah. is. I mean, it, that's, that's a big part of that job, though. It is. Yeah. You know, I hunted with plenty of guys that, that I knew, you know, if, if we were outside of a guiding situation, I probably wouldn't want anything to do with them, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and have no happens. patience with them. And, yeah.
2: and then there's also, like, you have to have a certain personality type that's, you kinda have to be a jack of all trades. Yeah. You have to you have to cook, you have to entertain, you have to get <laughs> yeah. along with people. And then it's almost like a psychological game as well that it's almost as fun as the hunting. <laughs> you know, in a weird it. way. Oh, yeah. But yeah. there's like, you know, as as the outfitter, which an outfitter just means that I'm allowed to take money and book the hunts and I hold the permits and everything and then I hire guides, but I also am a guide, so right. I also take people right. out actively. Not all outfitters do, a lot do. But you know, when guys come into camp, I kind of know everybody's personalities and can suss it out. Like you get really good at reading people. Yeah, and, you know, it's, and a good it's outfitter. A, yeah. Like if
3: you're an outfitter and you've got a half a dozen guides, same deal. You get really good at kind of you know pretty quickly. Like which client is going to mesh with which guide. And and conversely, huh. you know the ones that you know, they're like oil and water. It's like, yeah. man, these two guys, they're never going to work together. Is that
1: like sometimes like a game time decision too? Like kind of once camp starts to suss itself out a little bit, you kind of be like, yep. You're going Usually, here, like the guy the guy I work guy. for, he
3: would he'd know because typically, like a lot of his clients were repeats, just like you know you were saying yours were too. I so sure. he kind of had a pretty good sense. He knew the temperaments of his guides, and he knew for the most part, unless it was a new client, kind of had a feel for for the way guys were it was funny you know you could dive deep into telling stories but there I can remember a story there was one guy and he was a repeat client wealthy guy you know you just you, you couldn't turn him down he just forked the money over rebooked hunts every year but he was an obnoxious guy and he would go through like one guide after another and I remember I, I knew this guy was out there and eventually, I think it went like four or five years, and it finally came up like my turn to take this guy out of an elk hunt. <laughs> and it, you know, at, and by that time, I thought I was pretty good at that. You know, I was, I was, I could deal with just about anybody. And so it went pretty well with this guy. You know, he was doing pretty well. But it was a, it was like a mid-season archery elk hunt. It just, it sucked. It was tough. It was warm. The the moon was bright. The elk weren't bugling. It was just, it was destined to be a hard hunt. And it kind of drug on, and, and it was funny, and by. Th- two-thirds of the way through that hunt, I you know, I knew that, like, that temperament, it was just coming out, and he was just souring on me and getting tough, and he didn't want to go out, he didn't want to get up, he didn't want to hike, and then it got down to, like, the last day of the hunt, and, and it, had been, it had been really tough, you know, we just had very few opportunities on that hunt, and finally, we got into a pretty hot bull, and he was bugling, and we were just trying to chase him, keep up with him, follow him, you know, at some point, try to get ahead of him. And finally, the guy just ran out of gas completely. He just flat I mean he gave up. He just sat down on a log, threw his bow down, and he just would not go. And the elk was just I mean, he was like a couple hundred yards away just bugling, calling, and he just like he hit his limit. I could not motivate that guy. <laughs> I tried everything I could do and, and it just man, it, it when it went bad, it went bad. And that was it and then he practically threatened to make me carry him out of there and he wouldn't walk back to the horses and yeah it was it was not good.
1: Yeah, I imagine Remy I mean going off with of policy and there at times you probably have to be part like you said part motivational speaker part psychologist I mean oh yeah Oof. I
2: think when I first started guiding I wasn't as good I don't know I, I would I would tell people off <laughs> 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 I wasn't as diplomatic yeah. about things <laughs> yeah. but also my theory was like I'm just gonna push them as hard now I, I I'm smarter about things in, in utilizing people's energy levels but I remember I would Say fifty percent of my guys on the first day, like when I started out when I was younger, would puke the first morning. (laughs) You know, because they just weren't used to it. They'd eat a big breakfast, and I'd be like, "We're going up this mountain." And my my thing was, like, I will walk just far enough away where you can see me, but you can't catch me to tell you me that you can't go because if you don't catch me, you will die out (laughs) here. (laughs) So was like, (laughs) "You're just gonna keep going." And at the end, just like they loved it. It was like it was probably the worst is like the best worst experience. Cause I think sometimes when you're how many times in your life are you like truly pushed, but the reward yeah. is so great. And I would get, and, and I was, I'm a nice guy, you know, but they enjoyed hunting with me and I'd push these guys that really were not designed for elk hunting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they would yeah. come back the next year with a goal. And like everybody that I've ever guided has lost weight by the second and third time that they come and yeah, they've kind of they've so changed, you're, you're they've changed them, their yeah. whole lifestyle yeah. like one guy you know came back for 5 years and he's like you literally changed my life the first time the first 2 hours the first morning he hunted with me he was throwing up and then he ended up shooting an elk on the last day. And it was, he, he just broke down and started crying. Like he had never Uh, in his life done something so challenging and so fulfilling. And 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 then the next year he's like, I'm changing my lifestyle. And to me that that was the coolest thing to ever see is like when somebody goes out and hunts with you and understands what you do and why you love it and how hard it is. And they're like, I'm going to change the way I do my entire
3: life so I can come back next year and do this. That's pretty satisfying. That's cool. I've got so much respect for that. Did wow. you did you and I I'm sure you did cuz a lot a lot of us did it that we're guiding there was that point when you had a new client that you didn't know. And, and usually, like the first day or so, you'd kind of, you'd, you'd test a guy usually. At least I, I usually did. I wanted to see, you just get a sense for, you know, what kind of shape a guy's in. And, you you know, you'd push guys a little bit. Usually, I didn't I didn't run another point of puking. But it's like, <laughs> you you know, you would want to yeah. find out what a guy was like. And it's funny, too, and it, it, as, as I talk about this, you know, and you and you'd get the guys, like these obnoxious guys that you might not like and didn't get along with. And there, were, there was always, like, then the punishment Oh would yeah. be like the <laughs> the long, hard, hot. Yeah. You know, just some, yeah. some nasty, brutal hike. That the <laughs> thing that, kind of, like you said, you never let the guy catch you. Yeah. <laughs> He's like stuck. Like.
2: So the funny thing is, like I have this thing where it doesn't matter if you're the biggest a hole. If I hate you, I am gonna do my best for you. Like I just can't, yeah. I can't do anything else. I know nothing else. I just love to hunt elk, and I'm gonna do my best. Want to get him an elk. But yeah. if you are an a hole. I will hunt you harder than I will the nice guy. You You will generally you get the punishment walk, but it's generally rewarded in bigger elk. So the guys that I hate always (laughs) shot bigger stuff because it's just like I was just grinding them. I'm like, you know what? I know where I can find easy elk, but I know where I can find hard elk too. And we're gonna (laughs) go after the hard hard elk. elk, And when you go after hard elk, they're generally bigger elk. And so it's kind of funny. Like yeah, I'd come yeah, back yeah. to camp, and I'm like, "Man, the jerk got the biggest bone." I was like, "Yeah, but <laughs> he's not going <laughs> to walk next week." <to> <laughs> but that was uh, just f- that was when I was a lot younger, and yeah, just yeah, you know, yeah. you didn't really. I don't know. I I wouldn't change it, and I wasn't bad, but there's also you just kind of when a guy is an a hole to you, and you just you're like you're over it. You don't and you don't want to. If you hike, they can't talk. So. He's just, you don't get like, yeah, yeah. like, you're I don't want to talk hard. with this guy. Like, how do I not talk? Oh, yeah. When you can't breathe, you walk can't faster, talk. Yeah, yeah, just walk yeah, yeah.
1: Somewhere out there, there's a dude with a 400 inch bull taking a strong look inward right now. I only got this because I was
0: a real a-hole. <laughs> I feel like that kind of, that kind of brings up a little bit of the question. I'm sure you get asked all the time, but it's, it's just, you know, you really like hunting and you're taking a ton of other people out hunting Like, when do you get to hunt for yourself, or does it ever get old where you're like, man, I do all the work, and granted, somebody else has to come along with me at this one time, but otherwise, the entire year I'm doing all this work, and then somebody else is going to shoot it.
2: To me, I think it's almost more satisfying
3: in um, in 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 a a strange way. Yeah, you know, sometimes what I would end up thinking about is, and it is, I mean, as a guide, you are very wrapped in wanting to kill something. You know, it's 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 as personally important to you as it is to the hunter. And I a lot of times I would, I would almost get myself, like, I would think of the hunter as just like my tool. He was like my way of killing something. So oh. it was like, so, you know, I yeah. have the gun. He's got the gun. He's pulling the trigger. But it's like I'm pulling him. I'm steering him to do this and kill it. You know, and that to me then it just sort of felt like it was even more satisfying because you were able to, get this this guy that might have, you know, lesser skills to go out and kill something. And you were kind of the reason that happened. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it was. Well, I mean, you're satisfying. helping out with a
1: really, really big gift. I mean, like, you know, for some of these guys, I mean, you get repeat clients, but, you know, I mean, you really are assisting them with an experience of a lifetime. Yeah, and
2: I think part of it, too, is I always said, I'm doing everything but pulling the trigger. Yeah. And to me, that like even sometimes you know making sure that they get the right shot like setting the rifle up properly and everything and just yeah. and even guys that hunt a lot a guy that hunts a lot but when you hunt professionally you're hunting there's a, a guy that hunts a lot and there's a guy that hunts all the time
4: mm-hmm. and the
2: guy that hunts all the time will notice things that other people don't and if somebody's willing to listen to that guy one you'll be more successful because I'll know when I when we set that rifle up, that guy might get one shot. And if I see that rifle set up in a way that I wouldn't that I know is a smaller percentage of him killing it, then I'll make adjustments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and every it, every and little, and it, little every thing. Every little thing because tweak, I know yeah, when that yeah. trigger goes off, he needs to make that shot. And we always shoot before. So the guide always has you shoot the rifle before you hunt. And it's not to see if your rifle's sighted and it's to, to see, see how you, you can shoot. shoot yeah, to exactly. watch your body, yeah. to see the way that you set up a rifle, to see the way you handle rifle, to see yeah. the way that you zoom a scope. The I mean, flinches, yeah, jumps back, and, and you yeah. know, and so you're, it might be a thing where he's set up and I just reach in and zoom it and check and make sure the butts, you know, everything. Like you, and it sounds like, oh, he's micromanaging and I know how to hunt. But yeah, you do know how to hunt, but are you, do you know for 100% certain that you're going to make that shot right now? Yeah. Mm. And a lot of people think they do, but I've seen enough misses where I'm like, okay. Yeah. Oh, and if you, uh, and if uh, you interject like that experience into this scenario, it's way closer to 90 plus percent when it might be a 50%
3: absolutely. type deal. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Right. So, uh,
0: add to the repertoire of a guide, uh, firearms instructor. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh no question. Yeah, no question. <laughs> there's been a lot yeah. of
2: times that I've come out of the field and we just go. I just go for half a day. We're gonna. I'm. We're gonna relearn how to shoot. And if you listen and want to do it, and every time we've done that, nobody's missed after that I can think yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. Because you just start from the basics again, and there's a lot. I mean, I've made. I've missed as well, and a lot of times when I miss, it's just I don't even know. Maybe just getting too excited or. Who knows? You, you just yeah, missed. It, it yeah. happens, yeah. but a lot of times, you know, when somebody's there and helping you through it, you can you can generally make a make it work.
3: Yeah, I no, I. Yeah, it's definitely true, and we and we did the same thing too. We would always have when a guy got you'd always watch him shoot. You know, both both archery and rifle, and it, and it was funny. You know, generally it seemed like I was typically. Usually not expecting guys to shoot all that well, and it, I mean, it just seemed that yeah. that was the case more often than not. Guys could not shoot that well, and when you could when you could sit a guy down, we we you know just have a basic bench set up for guys You'd shoot at a hundred yards at a paper target. But uh, when I'd see guys and they could actually hold a, a tight group at a hundred, I mean it was I was always just very very happy about that because usually what I expected to see was you know, a 10-inch group and the guy flinching and jumping yeah. back off the gun and just, yeah. just not shooting well, you know.
2: What I started doing about, probably once I started my own outfitting business, um, and it was actually, this ties in with Vortex really well because I got the HSLR. Oh, yeah. You know, that was my first turret rifle. Yeah. And oh, I, yeah. And I had a great muzzle brake on my gun. It was a three hundred short mag, and it doesn't kick at all. Mark. And...
0: Mark shot it. There you go. The gun's named easy. Hannah. You need to get one of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the wisdom, and actually, yeah, yeah you're right. I yeah. did. I did yeah. get to shoot that. You've got rifle. the wisdom that's the opposite. That you got the wisdom yeah. that hits you. Yeah, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. It, like the, it hates you. The, the horrible bad, wisdom. The bad wisdom. Yeah, because yeah. 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 anybody can develop
2: bad shooting habits by shooting a gun. Like it's your body. It's so hard to break. Like I've had that happen. I started shooting a big caliber at too young of an age, and it, yeah, you just yeah. develop like bad habits. Yeah. But I I set that rifle up where I knew where it hit and then I could adjust the turret and know where it hits at every so my thing was if you put the crosshair where you say you're going to hit it shoot and it misses it's not the gun 100% because I know exactly where it'll shoot so they would shoot their gun and it'd be all over the place and then I would have them you know I'd kind of coach them I'd say okay you can use my gun but you have to follow my rules to use my gun and I'd say okay this is how you set it up this that and the other thing boom shoot and they would is the best they've ever shot in their life. And you go, okay, now and we're just feeling use good this gun. about themselves. Yeah, and, and I was like and, yeah. everybody that left my camp, like, would buy that scope. Because they're <laughs> like, it's the <laughs> scope. And it it is partially the scope, but it's you know, knowing where that is. And then yeah. those guys would get into then they had more invested in just going out and shooting three rounds because there's like a science behind it and ballistics yeah. and all that. Yeah. And it's like to have something like that where you're interested in it. It becomes an activity, not just, oh, I'm a hunter, and then I shoot my gun, literally to sight okay. it in once a year, and that's it. Right. You know, you become invested in like testing it and figuring out what everything does and it becomes learning, like
3: learning how to yeah, shoot and you yeah, become yeah. a better yeah, shot yeah. and you yeah. become a better hunter yeah. yeah
2: as far as rifle hunting goes
0: yeah that really that really goes into what you're talking about earlier about the jack of all trades because i mean a lot of people a lot of times think of you know they think of the precision rifle guys the prs competitors those those kinds of people as being the ones who spend all that time figuring out ballistics and you know all these various different firearms characteristics and stuff but i mean if you're really going to be a good hunter you're going to be doing the same stuff, you know? And, yeah, as a guide, if you're going to be taking people out there, you know, and and helping them out, you have to know that as well.
1: Well, I think that removes some of the mystery, too, like, you know, kind of getting more familiar with your firearm and the ballistics. And not only are you shooting more, but you realize what you can do and what a rifle can do. And then I I just feel like you put all that, like you said, you put that effort into it and then you understand that, like, it's not, like, black magic that you hit a deer at 200 yards. Like, it wasn't guesswork. It wasn't that I, you know, you're just like, no, like, I know that I'm going to kill that deer.
3: Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we went, when you came out, Mark
2: came out to my place, was it, well, quite a while ago, a few, oh, year, few years three, ago. Three, four three, years, four years four ago. Four years ago. And I had busted hand out, the old 300 WSM. And I was just talking about, I do this. I have this 400-yard gong. And I'm like, I shoot that offhand. He's like, no way. And then I did it with twice. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then and I was like, I can teach you to do that. And then we did a little walk through. Boom, hit it 400 yards offhand. Mark did. Yeah, it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but you're good. like, yeah. okay, you don't realize with just some basic mechanics and the s- turret and, and everything set right, like it's not that difficult. You just the center is the same size no matter what the target right, is. Right, you just have to yeah. put the crosshair where you want it and pull the trigger. And that's yeah. like, I like to do that with people and just kind of surprise them as far as, well, when you're guiding, You sh- I've shot every make of rifle, every caliber. Like, you know, y- you know it too, Paul. Oh, like, yeah, you can, yeah. I almost see, like, you tell me the caliber and I see a trajectory path. <laughs> like, I could <laughs> yeah, grab some true, guy's yeah, rifle yeah. and just yeah. shoot it out to whatever because I know. Based on the post and how high to hold, and what, and and you just kind of like—it's not so scientific as just shooting all the time and and different calibers and different scopes and different rifles. You kind of get like this sixth sense of where that bullet's going to hit. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and it's kind of—it's kind
0: of fun to get to do that. It's funny too, yeah, because you were talking about actually a number of the things I was paralleling in a way to like if you're a chef, you know, and by no means do I fancy myself a chef, but I do like cooking for other people, you know, and it's kind of like, after a while you cook so much, you know, you don't use teaspoons and tablespoons exactly. anymore. It's yeah. like, oh, this recipe calls for cumin, like, I know what cumin tastes like, I know how much food is in the pan, I know what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to make it do and that, you know, so I'll just put, I'll just sprinkle some in, and then, you know, and then a lot of people are like, you're not even measuring that? I, well, no, I don't need to. And then the other thing that I was paralleling to was that when you're a chef, you do a lot of the work and you make a lot of the food, and then p- other people end up eating it. Yeah, so, like, they could be with <laughs> it, right. but it makes you feel really yeah. good when yeah. they eat it and they have a really good eating experience. Yeah, yeah definitely. That's that's comparison. a good comparison yeah.
1: for sure. That is, you know, and, and just like you said, the, the more you do something, the more familiar. And just like you're guiding, right? Like I remember when you're like you shot that gong. Like, oh, that's pretty impressive. It's not a big gong. No, it's like what nine inch gong, maybe. Yes, yeah, I don't.
4: Yeah.
1: I don't and uh, you're like, hey, you want to do it? And we're kind of wrapping up what we're doing for the day. I'm like, ah, I'm good. And I'm like, all right, no, I got to try it. And so, like, <laughs> I grabbed Bermie's gun, and, you know, you had the dope for it. You dialed the turret for four. And I threw the gun up. I mean, it was, like, pretty warbly. You know, I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm like, okay, let me see what this trigger's like, you know. I'm like, okay, cool, that's the trigger. Then I threw the gun up again, and I, you had a sling on it, so I wrapped the sling around it and got a little bit more slit- stable, knew what the trigger was going to be like, and, Again, like you kind of know, the more you shoot, like I mean, the crosses were definitely moving, yeah, but you just yeah. kind of break. It's almost like you almost use your like your little brain supercomputer and break the shot. Now, granted, I'm not going to say I'm going to do that ten out of ten times, but it worked once, and I definitely walked away after. Yeah, one yeah. Time. yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. done, done. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I, I mean, I've done
2: that with a lot of different guys, and it's, and I'm yeah, I don't know, I'm not saying like I used to feel take so four hundred yard whatever shot, but I'm just saying like. If you go out and have fun and shoot your gun, you're just gonna be better in the field with it,
4: yeah, you know, I love yeah. to
2: just take a twenty if i'm if I'm like and I do it with my bow too or whatever, just go out and plink around like bow hunters are good at it because you can shoot your bow all the time, but a lot of right. you don't have a lot of opportunity to just shoot a rifle, but mm-hmm, I yeah. like to take like a twenty two out and just open sights and just Shoot at stuff, you know. <laughs> shoot targets, <or> whatever. <laughs> like it's fun. Plink around. Just try stuff that you wouldn't try. Oh yeah, take the twenty two out and see if you can hit that can at two hundred yeah. yards with the open sights. And eventually, if you can see where you're hitting, you'll adjust. And it's like like you used to do as a kid, taking the BB gun out. Oh right? yeah, 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 and, yeah. You know, you become pretty good with visualizing shooting and that visualizing. trajectory. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. It's, it's, a, it's fun to. I don't know. I always, I always stress that with guys and even clients is just yeah, just get out. And a lot of the guys that come back. It's cool because they've they've taken shooting as or like at least the rifle clients is you know being in shape as far as elk of goes being in shape and shooting their guns seriously because they know that that's what it's going to come down to for them to be successful and mm-hmm. that's that's cool to see I I love that
0: yeah this is a little bit of a gear switch but guides sometimes and correct me if I'm wrong because I I mean we have you guys on here because you're the guide pros and you know I'm not but guides sometimes wind up working with The state, or maybe outfitters, wind up working with the state as far as some hunts you can't go on in certain states if you don't have a guide. Or like, do you do you wind up working with the state maybe in other ways as far as various different herds that they're trying to manage in different ways or anything like that? Or not
2: where I'm at, you know. I think a lot of the states that have the regulations, it's just it's like the outfitting industry creates these regulations to protect their industry. I personally like even though i'm an outfitter i'm against that yeah because yeah. i think that it's especially when it happens on public land like it's it's kind of a weird deal to say oh you're capable enough to go into the wilderness on your own and back, fly back, fish back, or backpack, pack, backpack but, you hunt, there, but you want to hunt you can't, you can't hunt. go hunting yeah. you don't yeah. have the skill to hunt huh. or you know especially on federal land like i think that's a really weird deal or you go somewhere and i understand okay some places go well it's a safety concern but it's I've met people that live in some states that are allowed to go on some of these hunts. It's like, if it's a safety concern, then you should do some kind of proficiency litmus test like other countries do. And the people that are proficient at it and have worked up to it are allowed to hunt that species yeah. if it's a safety concern. And, it, and it's not, and It's of not course. a safety it's just, concern. It's, it, yeah, it's a safety concern. Because you could go concern. on the same, we'll say Alaska or whatever, you could go on a Sitka blacktail hunt, That are right next to mountain goats, but you can't hunt the mountain goats. It's it's the same
3: place. Like you're doing the (laughs) exact same thing. Same place, same weather, same rocks, same uh, same hypothermia, all of it. Yeah. It's not a. I was
1: glassing a goat on Kodiak, and in my field of view, I'm like, what the heck is that thing moving above the goat? I'm like, oh, that's a deer. Like you said, <laughs> right. they're in the exact it same was, place. The exact same place. <laughs> yeah. So what's the
2: real justification? Well, it's to protect outfitting and, and create a market. But there's always going to be that market. Now, you might be protecting it from a number of out-of-state hunters, but you could always regulate the number of out-of-state hunters. So right. I don't understand. I think it's just like an antiquated system that, yeah. you know, in That's Montana right. we used to get unlimited tags for our clients, which I thought, but it was at a higher price and then it got voted out during a ballot initiative and i thought that was good because the out, the people going with a guide you know the you're, you're creating industry in the state of these people are coming here and the money's coming into the state and the state's going to collect revenue on it but all that money paid for block management which allowed public access to private lands that outfitters were not allowed to use yeah and they sold out every year and the price was double what they dropped it down to and for quite a few years block management got underfunded and people will probably listen to this and be like, no, they're selling out yeah, they would sell out and then they would have five thousand <laughs> left over at the yeah, end of yeah, the season. Yeah, they yeah. Were, they struggled making that money back for a long time. And now the market's kind of caught up and right. last year was the first year, but still, you know, at least Montana, the way that their system is, a lot of people are drawing the tags and not wanting them. They just want the points for special units. Yeah. It's, it's kind the of a tags s- back. Right. Or, and then yeah. and what people don't realize is That's funding for block management, and block management seems to be getting, in my opinion, seems to be getting less and less. So, you know, there are some programs where you could work with outfitters and be like, look, well, let's raise money for the people, you know, if you have some kind of, you know, you don't want this many non-residents or whatever hunting your areas, that's fine. Figure out a way to limit that, but also, you know, like, help everybody else out that lives in that state and give them more opportunity. Mm. I don't see any problems with that but I don't really like limiting people and making them, you know, pay for a cert, you know, not everybody, even as an outfitter, I'm like, okay, you know, if you, if you run a good business and you know what you're doing, you're gonna find people to book with you. And it doesn't create a thing where it's like, Hey, if these non-residents can't hunt this area, they have to hire me. I don't have to be a good outfitter. I don't have to know what I'm doing. I could just be a complete disaster
1: because they have no other choice, yeah, right, you know? Right, really? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's yeah. a weird, it's a weird thing. Well, it is. And like you said, there's no litmus test. You know, you might not be able to go hunt a wilderness area as an out-of-state or in Wyoming, but if I was just coming from out-of-state and I wanted to go pick wildflowers in the same country,
2: you can do it. I yeah. can do mm-hmm. it.
1: It's weird. Yeah. yeah. Huh. And I love wildflowers.
2: I don't know. Maybe there's some outfits like, this guy's in an
4: here. <laughs> I <know>. am <laughs> like, look,
2: I'm, I mean, that's, I make my living from that same thing, but I also feel like it shouldn't affect it, you know. It'll, it'll probably just, in all honesty, it might you know make people better and book more hunts because you're you're getting more animals, but you have to put more energy in because it's a free market. It's yeah. an open market. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well,
0: and like you said too, I mean, if you just provide a good service, it's you're, yeah. You're no matter what you're going to get right clients. You're going to get business. Yeah,
2: and you're going to get better guides because you're going to get a better reputation, and you're it's going to be a better experience for people, and mm-hmm. people will be then pining to get in more there's gonna be more applications you're gonna be skimming that the states are gonna be skimming those application fees off the top (laughs) raking it in like a bunch of drug dealers weighing their money
3: in trucks (laughs) now i got them tags (laughs) homie (laughs) oh yeah yeah it it really should you know you think about like the the wilderness areas in wyoming i mean it's some of that country is big deep hard tough country and there's undoubtedly many people that you know, even if they had the choice to go DIY or outfit it, I mean, if they want to, they truly want to go in there and, and get an animal, they're probably going to go outfit it. I mean, unless they've, oh, yeah. they've got their own horses and gear and, and logistics to handle all of that stuff. I mean, that's the country where being an outfitter. Makes the most sense. I mean, it it shouldn't require that it be mandatory. I think it's yeah it makes self-explanatory. Sense. The guys that need it are going to need it, and and the the truly hardcore DIY guys, well, let those guys go in and hunt it on their own. You yeah, know, yeah. It's not. A, yeah, because
2: yeah. if you go and get in over your head, you can do that anywhere at any time. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. I think most people are smart enough. Most people don't want to kill themselves, really. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. And right. there are a few yeah, idiots, yeah. and if they get yeah. weaned out of the gene pool. I was just going to no, say, yeah, is yeah. it is
0: it bad for me to say natural selection on on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Yeah. no. And I mean, yeah, yeah, some of it is, like, daunting.
2: Because you could go to do the same thing in Idaho, but, you know, if you aren't prepared for it, you aren't prepared for it. It doesn't matter where you're at. right? Yeah. Um, right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's a, it's an interesting topic, I think. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of debate and whatever but i that's just my personal belief on it is if you have a justification for something either just call it what it is like no we're just protecting our outfitting industry you know don't make up some bs story about it being about safety or other things when there's right. no test of who can go out there and how much knowledge they have this that and the other thing right, yeah right.
3: You, know, you know kind yeah. of circling back to your question a little bit jimmy i know areas that we outfitted in you know we didn't necessarily really work with the state or anything like that but we worked we worked pretty tightly with fish and game guys and, and yeah. wardens, and you know we would if if you know we, we would generally turn if we saw guys poaching or doing illegal things, we would generally try to contact wardens and, and and get guys caught doing that sort of thing, you know. And there were there were times when we we would run into people that we knew were probably. You know, on the edge of trouble or a little over their heads in some of the country they were hunting, and you know, we would go out of our way to to let them know that that we were in that area and working with them, and if I mean, check and see if people needed help sometimes. So you you kind of function as that role, I think, a little bit as just oh, yeah. just people with the experience and the equipment, and you're operating in some of those those deep backcountry areas. It, I mean, you know that they're just like you were, you know, the natural selection stuff. There's guys that get back in there and and they're over their heads on on stuff, and, you yeah, know, it's, yeah. it definitely comes into play a little hmm. bit. Yeah,
2: it happens, and, and that's the nice thing is there's a, a presence of somebody that knows the area and is experienced back there, and, yeah, I mean, it would be a pretty weird deal to just be out there and not, you know, we're all hunters. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A yeah. lot of people think, oh, and I don't know, Maybe I'm just a little bit different. Like, I don't see myself in competition with everybody else out there. I just see myself as another hunter out there. And, you know, we're going to do our thing and you're going to do our, your right, thing. And a lot right. of times, like, if I run into a guy, let's work together. There's been times where we've been, well, why don't we both go in there and, and shoot two right, Instead of one right, guy shoot one right. and the other guy chase another. or. Yeah you know, I'm going to go this way, you go that way. I saw some here yesterday. Like, I'm not lying to you. I'm actually saw some there. You know what I mean? Like there's (laughs) there's been so many times where we've, you know, or repass something up and shown another guy and he's gone and shot it. And it just, yeah, I don't know. But there are those other instances where it's just, it just depends on where you are. And I think a lot of the um, competition between outfitters and other hunters comes when it deals with like trophy animals. Oh, I'm, it, it, I'm that's, sure that situation. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. like people believe that oh, I'm getting paid, so I own this animal, and and we're gonna do everything in our power for you not to get it. And that I think that's wrong. So I see where sometimes outfitters get like a bad rap, but I I don't think everybody's like that.
0: Yeah. So you were saying that as an outfitter, you'll like you'll get and own tags or permits or like it. It seems as though if you're a guide or an outfitter, like Paul, you got to go, for example, on a lot of sheep hunts, right, mm-hmm. as a guide. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, that's not because you obviously were drawing sheep tags every year because sheep tags are super hard to get. Exactly. How yeah. did how did that work where you guys, as your your outfitter, had sheep tags every year? Yeah. Like, well, how I, does that happen? Yeah,
3: I'll tell you exactly how it does. So, yeah, you're exactly, we weren't drawing the tags. The clients were drawing the tags. But what oh, happened okay. is is the fellow that I worked for, had, had built a reputation in Idaho over the years as a very very successful, very talented sheep guide. and the, and the other part of that puzzle is comes back to what I said about the state of Idaho. Outfitters have specific geographic territories. and so if you were to look if you were to overlay the ranges of bighorn sheep in the state of Idaho, it, they're they're absolutely not all over the state. they're They're confined to sort of specific mountain ranges and areas. So what happens is there are some outfitters that have really good sheep areas, you know, their whole their whole permit area might have sheep habitat all over it. Some outfitters have no sheep territory at all. So the fellow I worked for, he had a really good area. He had a lot of the top sheep habitat in the state. Coincidentally, he was he he developed himself into a great sheep outfitter, very successful, knowledgeable. I caught my bug from him from working for him doing it. So what happens is he builds a client base over the years. And so in the state of Idaho, typically there you know, there really are only maybe eight or maybe eight non resident sheep tags typically that come up in a year. And that's just based on what the you know the fish and game puts out in their numbers. But what Mike would have is he might have two to three hundred people every year. That would apply through him they if they drew they were going to hunt with mike so when you say they they were all all applying but yet in a year you know maybe four of those guys would actually draw a tag and it would it would vary by year you know some years it might be a couple more some years it might be less. you just you never knew you know as an outfitter for sheep in idaho believe me mike you know the day those draw results came out he was on it because you know, there there you're hoping you know, fingers crossed that a bunch of your clients drew those tags and then guys booked the hunts and then there's your fall lane out ahead of you. I see. So when people would book through him, it was almost like,
0: I mean, obviously they didn't have the tag at that point when they booked, but they right. were just letting him know that hey, they wanted we, I they could. wanted to
3: hunt sheep. Okay. Um, they might the they list. might know the units they want to put in or or you know, in Idaho some units are they're all pretty tough in that state, but some are tougher than others. And and Mike would actually do a good job of of matching clients to units you know he knew the easier sheep units so the guys that were not quite as good a shape he would suggest those guys apply in those units and the guys that were really fit and tough and hardcore he might have those guys apply in tougher units to kind of even things out okay
0: but it's not necessarily like the outfitter would get tags for stuff, and then they would sell it
3: to people who wanted to go? Not, not in the instance of sheep tags, but that, I mean, that does happen. All the states are different. Idaho, there are there are outfitter-allocated tags that are specifically set aside out of the general pool of tags for clients of outfitters, hmm. and so those, you know, every state's different. You know, they yeah. all work differently, but a lot of states have something like that, and then the other thing Idaho has, which a lot of other states have, is there are landowner tags that are given to private landholders that have you know typically a certain amount of habitat that's being used by big game in the in the winter maybe like a you know winter range stuff and they in return for supporting the general population of big game they're they're given tags and some states they can sell them some states they can't sell them they're all a little bit different but I know we would we would have some tags that were specific outfitter allocated tags We'd have tags that clients applied for and drew on their own. And then we would also buy some of those landowner tags for so it was, you know, it was a okay. blend of different things. That... Gotcha. That's pretty sweet.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think for the sheep hunts, it's it's all guys drawing the tag on their own. It is, yeah. I, I had this yeah. one instance where we took this guy elk Cunning, and you know, we see sheep all the time. He's like, I want one of those. I was like, Well, Got to apply for not it. Not like a well, grocery store. No, yeah. No, no. He's like, yeah, yeah. he's like, oh, well, let me. I want to book. So at the end of his trip, he's like, I want to book a sheep hunt for next year. I was like, no, we don't book the sheep <laughs> hunts. You draw the tag, and then we book the hunt. And I was like, the, the application's in May. He's like, oh, OK. So I just contact you in May again to book the hunt. I was like, no.
4: <laughs> he just didn't
2: understand. Couldn't you, get it you, through. Like, yeah. I've put in my entire life and not drawn one. So he calls me in May. He's like, I want to book that sheep hunt. I was like, look, man. <laughs> I'll give you the units to apply for. When you get a tag, you know, call me. Call me. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I give him the unit, the draws come out. He calls me. And I'm like, Montana has an unlimited sheep area, but yeah. we don't have yeah. permits there. We don't guide there. Yeah. Our area is like 0.01% draws. I think there was two tags. It went, we had to die off. So it went from 14 tags to two tags.
3: Down a And he calls
2: that. me and he's like, I got my sheep tag. I want to book my hunt. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. You, okay, you couldn't, you cannot put in for the unlimited cheap dag and then come hunt our area. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh. And, and I said, send me your information. I'll look it up, you know, cause just to see. I was like, maybe I'll figure out which unlimited area he got, and I'll send him to someone that has that. I look, he drew the freaking. I was just because he <laughs> <all> the <laughs> oh, whole yeah, thing. That's amazing. And then, oh, and then he like didn't gosh. even know what he had. So me and my brother are guiding him and we yeah, always try to, go to on look for like protection. <laughs> yeah, we always look for like the biggest sheep mature we everything we've gotten there's been Boone and crockett size. Yeah. And there's not real big ones in this area, but there is that like upper echelon. Nice rams. Yeah, yeah really good yeah. rams. And we always try to take the most the oldest, you know, because it's we're kind of the guys managing the unit, yeah, really. Because if you're the, the guy if you're the guy and you're guiding most of the sheep hunters in there, then you're the guy that's looking Making after the, the herd of, and, and yeah, what's going to yeah, be there in yeah. the future. So we're really, really picky, and we're going, we're going to look over almost every sheep in this unit before we decide which one we're going to shoot. And, and he's like, I just want to shoot one. <laughs> <And we're> like, <laughs> he's like, He's like, okay. And so we get out there, and after two days, he's like, We get into this band of rams, and he's like, You guys better decide. or I'm shooting that one. Now and he was dead serious and put one in. Banana ram walks out, (laughs) and we're like, Whoa, 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 whoa. okay, okay. So we're talking, and he's like, Hurry up! He's got like 10 seconds. (laughs) I'm over 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 this sheep thing. He's like, I just want some meat. So we're like, Okay, that ram. So he shoots it and ends up being 180 Uh, inch. -inch Oh my gosh, and he's like, Cool. (laughs) And then he's like, You know, he just wanted the meat, and we're like, You don't want the horns or the cape? He's like, no. <laughs> I was like, can we have it? I'll we'll mount it and put it in my cabin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. And then he decided, I think he wanted the horns for his son's flower garden. Like, he didn't know what he had. Oh, <laughs> and oh it's just God. like, it broke my Jeez. heart. You uh, know, because I, I, all I've ever wanted since I was a kid was a sheep tag a in that unit. Yeah. And no, but he's just like, I want to book a sheep one. All right, actually, I feel like all, right, it's all right, cool. cool Remy. Well, I'll,
1: uh, I'll let you know when I get my sheep tag in May next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but dude. I did
2: get to keep the cape. Which I sold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: But that is a wild
2: story. Is something.
3: Yeah, that's the way the luck of those draws Yeah, plays but it's out just sometimes. funny. It was
2: the first time he'd applied. He just had no clue what he had.
3: Yeah. And, you know, when we were talking about, you know, that Jimmy where we had all those guys that put in every year. And, and some years that, that's exactly the way it'd play out. You get guys they'd put in very first year and they'd draw one. And other guys would, you know. 20, 30 years and never draw. Idaho had no preference, and they still don't. There are no preference points there. It's totally random. State of Idaho, everybody's, you know, it just starts over every year. So, you know, a guy that puts in the first time has exactly the same odds as a guy that's put in for 30 years. Yeah, no, I'm so sure a, some people love it and I'm sure some people hate yeah, that. Yeah, it's that's a, you know, that's a topic for another podcast one day. It's a, there's a, you know, a lot of interesting things about draws and points that are going on in the west and the, and the whole model of points is is really kind of falling apart these days. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, if you look at it closely, what Idaho does, you know, to me anyway, makes actually a lot of sense. I think it it works better than a lot of the point systems that are in place in, mm. in the states.
2: Yeah. It just depends, too. But when you've been doing – like, in some states I have over, tw- well, 20 points now. Like, you don't want it to go to a no-point no, system because – exactly. Once you're in the you're, game. i I'm, yeah. I'm you in the game. And to yeah, think about – uh, oh, if you just yeah. really think about the money you've sp- – or at least the money that I've spent on tag draws, I'm like, I could have just – saved that and bought a sheep but yeah. you, well you that's know. almost yeah. that's yeah.
0: almost literally like if you had a savings account in the u.s just yeah. decided to say oh money is worthless now we're switching over to you know paying yeah that's and, exactly yeah. exactly yeah.
2: it's like yeah. the whole like currency resets yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but now there is a thing where it's like point creep and you know I, at one point i had enough to draw a tag but now i no longer. it's kind of a weird you you keep certain trying to get to this level of And it's, preference it's always points. just just out of your grasp yeah, that's it's, right. it's I, ahead of you. my yeah. thing is I like the bonus point system where you're rewarded for every year of application maybe an exponentially yep. so, yeah but anybody can still draw so you still have a chance of being lucky but your chance of being lucky increases the longer you right. play right. yeah, yeah. Um, that's my preferred but I have drawn I've drawn two sheep tags in my home state of Nevada. And then I've drawn uh, two sheep tags in Alaska, which so I've yeah you're doing pretty well pretty good. But that's in twenty years of applying. So and wild, I yeah. So my only non-resident sheep tags have been in Alaska, which you have to go with a guide. Yep. Which yeah yeah. Is it weird going with a guide when you're a guide? No, not really. Yeah, I, I you would, agree would think with it. it and I've been in the same. Yeah. I'd and say not really. It's not really yeah. no because one, it, one, it's like my really good friend. His name is Jeremy Rusink, and I'll just give him a plug. It's Rogue Expeditions in Alaska, and it's like, all right, you're really just hunting with your friend, or you know, other guides that work for him that you've you you know you hang out with. And I think when like I've guided other guides too, and for me, it's more like I'll show you the area, you know you have like this understanding of this guy knows how to hunt. So you can hunt more like friends, mm-hmm. but you're fulfilling the requirements of a guide where it's like, like I've guided guides and it's more of like, I let them hunt how they want to hunt, but I'll also give suggestions and whatever. And you just kind of, I don't know. It's almost easier really because oh, I, I you're, totally hunting, you're hunting, you're yeah. hunting together, yeah. not yeah. for yeah. They also so you, probably
0: also get like the pain in the butt stuff that guides have to deal yeah. with. are like, okay, well I'm not going to, you know, like, Leave whatever a complete mess and be a big, you know, dick or whatever in camp and then yeah. make this guy have to clean
1: well, up everything. Or even just from experience like you know he's a capable dude. Like right. you that's, know, that's, like hey, that's if that's you, if you it, go yeah. over there, like I know you're gonna by yeah. and you're large not gonna turn, be all right, get lost you know. in <laughs> ten minutes and <of> walking away <laughs> yeah. in the
0: trees. Yeah, some yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: woodsmanship. Yeah, it's more of like a hunt
2: yeah, I think it's just more like hunting with your buddies or yeah. you're you're hunting together. You're being guided or you're guiding whichever end of the spectrum you're on, but you're doing it in a different way than you do i I think it's actually like a lot easier it's actually a very successful way to hunt yeah Mm -hmm. it really is because it's two people that are highly skilled yeah working together and that's like right you really that's why people are like oh well i am a i don't think that no matter how good of a hunter you are it never hurts to have a guide especially on like tags where it's a once in a lifetime type opportunity I'm not against that in any way as a guide. I'm like, that's your best chance is to work with someone yeah. that, you know, to to build a team of people that's like, we've all got the skills. Now we can go out and have an, a phenomenal hunt. I think that most guides are like that. But yeah, that's I, maybe I me being optimistic, agree. but I think that yeah.
3: it's, no, like, I, it's a cool I, that, understanding. That, that, that yeah. meshes my experience too. And, you know, when I've when I've hunted with guides, it is, it almost feels like more of a partnership. And yeah. I think of when I'm going in with a guide you know what? What I know that guy's doing for me is—is I—I is I would typically be hunting country I've never hunted before, have never been in before, and I—you know—I just know that guy. He's been in there. He's spent the time. He's—he's—you know—he's put the hours in. He knows where the trails are. He knows where the animals move. He knows where the wallows are. He knows—you know—all that stuff that you know. If I had been in there for a year, two years, three years. I'd have all that figured out the exact same way he does, but it just shortcuts all of it. You know, you've got a guy that's got equivalent skills. Yeah, it's. I agree. It's yeah. it's it's a partnership thing. Is what and it I think feels it's
2: like. cool too. Is like you you learn things from other people that you might find a new way of doing something that you didn't do before. And Always, in, in certain, yeah. like I've gone out with uh, some of my guide buddies in New Zealand that grew up hunting thick jungle type country, where I'm more open, and so. I kind of teach them the glassing skill and like spotting far away. And they teach me a little bush stalking. And it's like, yeah, you both have skills, but you've honed it in a certain way for a certain animal. And it's like, you can pick up some things, you know, little tips here and there of, you know, you might be looking at a new animal and learn how to judge it quickly or what they're looking for. Or this is where I look, you know, when, when you go out to glass next to a guy that hunts that area every day, He's picking out the animals first. One, it's because he knows what he's looking for, but two, he knows where to look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's 90 percent of the country that holds zero animals, and 10 percent holds 90 percent. It's kind of a, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's a weird thing. And if you know where to look in what area, you're just gonna you're just fast tracking yourself to success, really.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. I think, I mean, it, you know, and this is maybe not related to guiding, but it kind of goes into that, what you were talking about, even just hunting a variety of things, I think makes you a more well-rounded hunter. Like, you know, I grew up hunting blacktails on the coast. dude. I didn't even, like, it was pretty thick, but there was, you know, clear cuts and some big canyons you could look across. But, dude, I, I, maybe it's because I didn't have any money, but I didn't even have a set of binoculars. But now, like, I look back, and I've hunted coos deer now, and I'm like, dude... If I go back to Blacktail Country and I'm looking at some clear cuts far away, you better believe I'm going to have a tripod and a set of 12s and be tearing it apart versus just, like, relying on, you know, just my eyes.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. That's
0: pretty cool. Well, looks like by the old shot clock that MC Ryan's rocking over there, we're at like about it. a little over an hour here. So what do you say? You, you want to last call this bad boy, Mark? Let's. Let, I, I've got one more question. Do it. How about this? We'll make this a collective last call. Your, your question? I don't want to do can, right, I, well, can I address figula.
2: the duck in the room first?
4: Is anyone here in this? Oh like, yeah, yeah. He's going like right yeah, that's, that's not yeah. 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 that's not your sleep. That's not your sleep deprivation. You yeah. uh, yeah. yeah. should have
2: mentioned yeah. that first thing. Cause like, what is going <laughs> on back there? Yeah. Like I, at first, I had it's, to take my thing off. I'm like, is this, is like, this in the headphones? There's like duck insanity going
1: <laughs> yeah, on. So am uh, I yeah. sleep deprived? <laughs> yeah. For me, so. Yeah. That's not happening. That's just you.
0: We are at the Western Hunting Conservation Expo for those listening, and uh, there is a waterfowl calling competition around here. And they designated this hallway near our podcast
1: room as the practice hallway.
2: That's what's going so on. Again. they're warming <laughs> up crazy. those.
1: They're hard at it back they're there. Warming up yeah. those calls. All right, Mark, and they're doing they're doing a heck of a good job. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and I guess my one question was, and we t- we touched on this a little bit earlier, but for a person who is like looking into being a guide, right? They're like, oh, I want to go do that. I guess to me, it would seem like on the surface, like, uh, yes, you have a desire to hunt, right? Like, oh, I love to hunt. So I want to be able to hunt all the time. But I mean, guiding, is, it isn't the same as hunting, you know? So I guess, I guess, what characteristics do you think a person or an outlook, a person would have to have on that to like be successful long-term? I think it's a
2: perseverance thing. Like I know a lot of people that, or, like, they love to hunt. Right. They love to hunt for five or six days. At the mo- Like, that's a long trip for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to hunt, you know, every day of the week, then on the week, uh, And if you want to hunt for yourself, uh, you're yeah. hunting the weekends. And it's easy you just got to be the type of personality that doesn't get burned out
4: yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you have
2: it, to it's it, 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 a completely you know, it different
3: type of personality yeah we you know we would we'd start like hunting archery elk at the you know the end of August and i mean some even before that if you know if we had sheep hunters and we'd be we'd be scouting sheep places in the in the middle of August and it you know it just run pretty much non-stop till late November and yeah. it just was it, it you got done with one hunt you came in, washed your laundry and the next morning it's the next guys were there and and out you went again. And you, you had to, yeah, you had to really love doing it and you had to, you had to have some endurance and perseverance. And I'd, I'd say, I mean, you you just gotta be very flexible. I saw a lot of guys come and go while I was guiding and I saw some guys that were, I mean, really good hunters, better hunters than I was. I mean, really talented at hunting, but, you know, whatever it was, a mix of different things. You know, some guys had bad personalities. Some guys drank too much. You know, and it 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 could be something as simple as you know, clients typically bring a lot of alcohol in camp, and and some guys just can't help, and they you know, and they drink beer all night with the clients, and then you can't you can't keep going like that. It doesn't work. There's just there there are so many little things. You know, and it it would be really interesting to pin it down. And I watched I think when I went back to that guide school, and I think at the time there was. I don't know, there was maybe 15 of us in there, and, and, and most of them were. I was in my mid-later 20s at the time, and most of them were younger than I was. And, you know, right off the bat, you could see guys that you knew weren't going to make it. I mean, there were guys that they'd go out in the wilderness and get lost. They just couldn't ha- – there were parts and pieces of it they could not hack, and they could do some of it but not all of it. And I, and I think back to those days, and I think and I later ran into one other guy that was in that, and I think there were only two of us that really – Kept at it and, and lasted for a long period of time. So I think a lot of guys try it, yeah. but find out there's some part of it that just I does think not the work. The nutrition rate
2: of guide school is like less than medical school. Yeah, like. it's, <laughs> it's so
3: bad. It's way up there. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just some kids they find they were yeah. terrified of horses. They just couldn't deal with horses. You know, there's yeah. just so many, there's so many little it, to. To make it long-term, yeah.
2: I helped out with, like, a guide school thing once, and (laughs) I just had one of the guys in my truck, and we drive up to a gate, and he, I'm like, okay, now you got to, you know, he's in the passenger seat, like, you get the gate. So he gets the gate, gets out, and I'm watching from my rear view mirror. He, like, gets the gate, comes and closes it, and he's on the other side and then climbs over.
4: Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs>
4: just no, and I'm Vince like I'm everything.
2: like, okay. And then we get <laughs> to the next gate and he does the same thing. And I'm like, okay, well now we're coming up to like a like a, a big like a a six foot like deer fence kind of thing, like a like a six <laughs> foot like what's he, what's big he gonna gate. Do now? <laughs> and he like gets to it and shuts it and I see him like looking and uh, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like well I this is a lost guy I was like you should I was like this is a one and done thing for me I'm no longer going to be teaching at this guide school <laughs> I was like I just couldn't handle it I just thought I just thought this is so bad I was like, like, this is immediately <laughs> failed yeah. I was like, like, "I'm God. sorry, but it's just not gonna work uh, for you, pal. Like, I, it's <laughs> not because you just need that little bit of yeah. common sense, yeah. like uh, some some street smarts, some wilderness smarts, some just some gate like, smarts. Yeah, like you just have to, you just have to have it. Yeah, it's, and you and the guys, like I said, to know when you have it is the guy. Like, I feel like I, I always try to like my I only know my experience, so I relate people to my experience, but when you work your butt off. You do everything you can, you hunt harder than you ever hunted in your life. I mean, I hunt way harder with clients than I do for myself. It's a weird thing that, and yeah. when you're yeah. like, "I'm getting a dollar an hour, and I would do this every day in my life because you just love it like it's not yeah. for any other reason than the lifestyle of doing it yeah that's and it's exactly it's it. that there's no other reason anyone would be a guide. It's because yeah. you love yeah. to do it, yeah, and that's yeah. that's purely it awesome,
0: I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that doesn't sounds, mean that sounds so badass, but I just think about it. It's like, yeah, dude, I like, right, I but... think hunting is awesome. I was just like, dude, I just don't think I could do it, but it's super cool. It's,
3: you know? Yeah, you know, it's funny, you know. There's a lot of things I look at that uh, way. About the time I started working for your family, Jim, I'd been guiding a long time, and actually, like, the first first 10 years I worked for your dad, I overlapped. I was guiding half of the year and coming back and working half of the year and selling optics in the off-season. But I did, you know, we talked about kind of getting burned out, and and I I was sort of hitting a point where I was feeling a little bit burned out on guiding, and that's sort of about the time I met you guys and, and sort of edged my way into the optics end of things but I and I remember it and I was very worried about that I I still d- you know deeply loved hunting in the outdoors and I did not want to get burned out on that yeah. and, I, and I got to the point thinking man you know if I have another season there's like a really rotten guy that I've got to spend a, you know 10 days hunting with it's like I don't know if I can do that anymore. I just didn't want to find myself in that. But it does. It you know it does wear on you. At times. And it's with, it's no... the
2: people that wear you out. It's not the the guiding. No, it is, it's yeah, good. it's so, all you,
3: you. can have you can have the most miserable, rotten, hard, unsuccessful hunt, and if you're with the right guy, it's It's great. It's, great. it's mm-hmm. a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. And conversely, you can have the most successful hunt and you go out and kill a trophy animal and if it's with the wrong guy it's like you never want to do it again it's oh, just yeah. yeah, it
1: is really funny that way it goes back to what you're saying man that time it is precious mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's the whole reason like I like to go with the repeat guys and don't like to take yeah. new people because I yeah. did take some new guys a few years back and it was such a, so miserable that everybody in camp wanted to quit the guides, <laughs> the cook, myself. I was like, why am I doing this? I'm when not, it, when it I gets sell my bad, hunts pretty cheap. Really like, I don't want to be yeah. doing this yeah. for nothing anymore. Yeah. Like, this sucks. Yeah. yeah.
3: It, you know, and it's, it, I think back, I, I bet if I were to kind of just write down all the different hunts, I'll bet the hunts that I remember the most are with the right guy. And the, and the worst conditions. Oh, yeah. You know, really, you know, where a guy you really liked, had a good time, and it was just tough, whatever it was. There was something particularly hard and challenging about the hunt. And I've told guys that. It's like in the future, you're going to look back, and those are the ones that you, it's almost like, and I've learned now, at the time it sucks, but I know that later it's just, I'm going to treasure that memory. Those mm-hmm. are going to be the really good memories about doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. What What'd do you, you say? Jump into your last calls now, Jim. My last call is. I've
0: noticed two things. Uh, one, Paul, I don't know how you've managed to be comfortable this entire podcast. I think your your earphone <laughs> on the left is side on the left side is actually backwards. Is it really? Yeah, oh, it I is. Thought... you have like the hard plastic against your. Ear. I don't know if it's. Was... It's
3: actually pretty comfortable. Is it <laughs> really? I can actually hear you pretty well too. But I should. Yeah, try I'm that. feeling it. And the foam sticking out. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. I was
0: right. wondering if that was on purpose or not. Yeah, some people. I used to do that because it was hard to talk through the yeah.
2: headset. I don't like that like you in a uh, helicopter yeah. like, <laughs> you, you talk weird
0: like
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man my last call is going to be check out Paul do you have an Instagram? I don't think you have an I Instagram. don't
3: no I'm a I'm a social media phobe and yeah kind of stay away yeah
0: know? I didn't think so but if you want to see a badass check out Remy Warren I was going to say if you also you know, Paul would be a good person if you had an Instagram I think it would be pretty <laughs> badass Remy's, Remy's Instagram is pretty badass and know. all of his other stuff we have like Uh, office-wide pretty much man crush on Remy. Yes. Is that all right to say? (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) All right, that's it. That's my last call.
1: (laughs) Many layers to the Remy Warren. Uh, My last call is, and this ties back into the guide school thing, I'm actually going to be starting a lawn mowing school uh, (laughs) in in my uh, yard, and I'll teach you how to run my lawn mower. You know your yard better than anyone else. I know it better than anybody else, and then you can uh, mow my lawn for the summer. And then you'll be capable of mowing your own lawn someday.
3: <laughs> that's that's, a that's that good sort way. of that's follows so the guide actually, school yeah. pattern right there. You one. got the got the general theme going <laughs> yeah. There,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna really loop this into a lot of facets of <laughs> yeah. the working of my life.
3: <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, Paul, I to bring, you know it's it's fun to talk about. This brings back a lot of memories. I'm I'm not sure at this point in my life if I if I'd get back <laughs> into guiding again or not. But I, do, I have to say, I do. You know, I value the time that I was able to spend sheep hunting it was pretty darn cool, and I do really miss that because once, you know, I when I was guiding, I got to hunt sheep every year, which is a really neat thing. And of course, now I rely on whether I can draw a tag or not, which which may be pretty sparse over the rest of my life. You know, maybe another tag or two. But it's been fun. I, I've really enjoyed the conversation. It, uh, it's a lot of memories for me.
2: Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, I I don't know. I think, um, you know, for me, guiding just shaped a lot of my experiences and views and really kind of got me to where I am today. And I still do it. I think people are like, why do you still guide? And it's just something like I've had to cut back just based on time and doing other projects and other things. But it's something that I just am am so passionate about that I don't think I'll ever fully stop guiding. I might just cut Uh, it down to, like you say, like one sheep hunt a year in the future. (laughs) I don't know. But, you know, maybe pick those hunts that you just really like because it gives you an opportunity to get out there and do something that you don't get to do all the time or do something that you really love all the time. I think that people, it's one of those things, if it's something you want to get into, you don't really need me to tell you how to do it. You're going to figure it out. And that's my my real belief on anything. If you're really passionate about something, you will figure it out. I when I was out of college, or actually I was still in college. I took the spring and summer semester and took fall off, and I just loaded up my truck and figured it out. And if a like I wasn't that smart, you know, if I could figure it out, <laughs> I think there's still plenty of people. And it's n- no more for at least for me, it's no more than just willing to work hard and give it give it a try. And it sounds like that's worked for Paul as well and yeah, yeah. and I see guys and they go oh is a guide school good can I become a guide that way you can become a guide anyway right. you yeah. just have to be determined enough to do it are you wasting your money only if you give up you know if you really yeah. want to do it go do it you don't need me to tell you how to do it you'll figure it out yeah. like literally load up your truck go to where you want to start guiding and just figure it out yeah because That's if you're there advice. you know you aren't going to get a job and sitting at home wishing that someone would give you a guide job. Like, I'm not going to call anybody up and say, hey, you want a guide job? But I notice, you know, people, and I'm just saying, like, I, as other outfitters, other guides, notice the guys that are out there doing it. You'll figure it out. I promise you. You just got to go do it. And maybe that that's applies a, to something other than guiding. but Maybe life I think so. general, Yeah, yeah, No, that's, you just good like, that's very good advice. Just give yourself no other options. You'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Like You just oh, yeah. have to yeah. figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Yeah. And if yeah. you don't figure it out, at least you
0: you gave it a try. But you will figure it out if that's what you want to do. For right. sure. Dude, our guests keep mopping it up on these last calls, man. We won't ruin it. Nope. Let's do it. All right. We're going to sign off with the old classic bye.
3: Goodbye. Adios. Bye, bye
0: everybody.